at some of the best-looking fathers. You looked better when the light was down, but best-looking fathers in Woodstock. No, it's so good to have you here. I want to get right into today. This is the last week in our Tales of Ridiculous Faith series, and um, and I just want to lead into something real quick. By the end of the series today, okay, we're going to take an opportunity for communion at the end of the service, and we have just been believing and praying all week. We've been believing and praying through the series that God is going to do miracles in this house this morning, amen? And I'll be honest, there's times in my life I'm like, I don't want to say that. What if God doesn't? Well, now, Ross, you didn't have faith. And if you didn't have faith, he won't. How many was taught that way? I think he's a good, good father, amen? And he wants to touch some people's lives in here today. And so I just want to say at the beginning of the service, if you've come in here today with a need, there's something that you're going through. There's a physical need or a spiritual, emotional need. If there is a financial need, whatever that might be, how many, if you're here today and you think to yourself, yeah, yeah, I need a miracle from God, would you raise your hand? All right, there, that, that, that's a lot of potential miracles in the house, Amen. And so at the end of the service today, we're going to take communion, and we're going to take during that season, during that time, to believe God for the supernatural, to believe God to do something that is unable for anyone else but him. And so I just want to say that ahead of time so our hearts can be thinking toward that. Um, God already this week began to do something miraculous. On Monday, as I was in the office, um, I, I just the Lord has shifted my sermon. I'll talk about that in a moment. And so I stayed longer. I stayed from like 4.30 to about 10.30 that night, just shifting things for today. And I get a text from a mama. Is Lisa Warren in this service? She'll be in the next service if she's not here. I get a text with pictures. And her son and her son's girlfriend, Nick and Mackenzie, they were in a, a horrible car crash. And she writes this. She says, this is from Nick. Miracle report, Nick and McKenzie were in a car wreck last night, and the car was hit almost head-on and flipped three times. Nicholas came out without a single scratch, and McKenzie had a piece of glass in her hand. Nick called me. Now, here's the thing that's amazing. This young man, he calls, he goes, and he just kept saying, Mama, it's a miracle. Mama, it's a miracle. Mama, it's a miracle. You want an 18-year-old young man to see and say something's a miracle. You know what I mean? That to know that God, for some reason, spared that boy in that moment, God did a work. And so I want you to see this picture of what happened. Look at this. Look at the next slide. And now finally this last one. My goodness. And so here's what she writes. Lisa says this. She says, our can-do God sure did. (laughs) Remember last Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last Sunday, we were saying he's a can-do God. That's awesome. And she just she took that and owned it for herself. And she said, our can-do God sure did. And so I want to ask you, will you own that by faith and receive it for yourself? Just that statement that your can-do God sure can. Amen? And so let's start with the, the service in prayer today, if that's okay. Father, right now, over the next few minutes, your hand's going to be upon this house. Allow the word of God to come forth clearly, effectively. Allow us to see ourselves As you see us, Jesus. And Lord God, in the end of this service, would you just allow your hand to move? Lord God, we we, we would just look to you at your church, at your service, at your house. And so we ask that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do your work in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so on Monday, I was all really pretty much ready for today's sermon. You know, I was excited about getting it delivered the last sermon of the series and and we've been doing the series and we've looked a little bit at Elijah remember we looked at Elijah early in the series and so I thought it was apropos on a Father's Day sermon to preach how Elijah passed faith down to a spiritual son Elisha 
And I was going to place upon us fathers a mandate, a charge, a challenge that we would take faith. And what does it look like to pass the mantle of faith to the next generation? And we need to do that. Amen? But everything in my notes, everything I had prepared, to be honest, was burdensome. I'm just being honest. It was kind of like, Dad, you ain't doing it. Get doing it. And I just like, God, I don't even want to hear that this Sunday. And I'm the pastor. How many fathers, you've sat through a lot of those Father's Day sermons like that, you know? And so I was just thinking about it in my own devotional time, and I'd come across Zephaniah chapter 3, that just in my reading that day. How many of you ever read Zephaniah? <laughs> I love the Old Testament. And so in my daily devotion, I was reading out of Zephaniah chapter 3, and I was overwhelmed by the goodness of God. I got overwhelmed by his grace to me and how he already sees me and how he already views me. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm overwhelmed by this. How can I go and put a burden on these men if God's not doing that, you know? And I'm not saying God doesn't put a challenge in us to rise up and to be the men we're supposed to be to our households. But just that day, I just got full of the thought of, God, that's how you feel about me already? I'm just going to walk in the light of that. And I felt all that burden just kind of release. I felt all that heavy tension of having to be the best husband. Almost. Last night she'd have said nope. I was at the men's conference all Friday and Saturday, and then I came home, and I had an opportunity to sell something, and you know me, I like to sell stuff and trade, and so I had a guy show up. Don't have a guy, when you've been away from your wife a day and a half, don't have a guy show up at the house five minutes after you get there, you know what I mean, like right then. Everybody say, not smart. I'm learning. Pastor's learning, Okay. And so, but that burden, I'm trying to be the best husband I could be, be a decent dad, be a decent, you know, pastor. You know, and you feel all that tension. But, but man, I just started sensing that God was saying, man, I see you already. Not, not for what you're going to be. I just see you for who you are. And I'm reading this passage, and I'm overwhelmed by it. And then it reminded me of a thought, that this series, the first Sunday, not in the notes, God began to speak to our hearts. Remember when it was just kind of impromptu, the idea that we're to focus on the face of the Father not the hands of the Father. And that faith isn't about trying to just get your stuff from God. Faith is about proximity. It's about what does it take when you speak the word to keep you from listening to the lie of the enemy and draw close to the person of God and to be able to walk with God. That way, come hell or high water, it doesn't matter what you're going through. I don't care. I'm not turning back. Though my flesh be destroyed, I will be with God. You know, and just that confidence that he's with me. And, and so along those lines, my God, I started, I felt speaking to my heart on Monday. So that's what I want you to keep in the flow of. Because you've been teaching the people, Ross, that faith isn't a burden that you've got to muster up. It's, it's a gift. And when that faith comes, it's not to burden you. Come on. It's to release you. Remember that last week? Faith doesn't put a burden on us. Man, it releases us. Amy released her heart to me because she knew she could trust me, right? And I have not been a burden to her except for last night, all these years. <laughs> First time in 23 years of marriage, I've, no. So, <laughs> so when it comes down to it, I just thought the Lord wanted us on Father's Day to have that burden lifted. And so we've been saying through this whole series that faith is more about focusing on the face of God than the hands of God. So today's title of this sermon is this, Finding Yourself in the Face of the Father. Finding Yourself in the Face 
of the Father. Let me ask you a question. What do you expect God the Father to be thinking when he looks at you? What's that expectation? When, when you think God the Father is looking down on you, he sees everything. <laughs> Knows everything. Not a thing can be hidden from him. And so with that in mind, what do you think when you think that the Father is looking at you? I remember in Ohio, we had a woman named Chris Zimka, and she was raised up. I think if I remember right, she was Czechoslovakian. And she had said that in their language, that God's name was Buju. That was like the little name for God. They say Buju. And her daddy would say, Buju will get you. <laughs> That's scary. Don't call my Jesus Buju. No, it's their language. That's fine. That's just scary, you know. And it's that police mentality, you know. I don't know about you. When I see a police light, I draw my shorts up. I'm just saying. I mean, no easy way to say it. It scares me. I mean, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm getting a ticket. I just, I just, I have a guilty disposition. I do, I do. How many have guilty dispositions? Yeah, and that'll make you drive erratic. And the erratic driving will cause them to think that you are not sober. And then sobriety will cause you, I'm not lying. A couple months ago, I'm out of the car and I'm touching my nose and I'm, I'm watching fingers. And I'm like, I swear, I'm, I'm just ADD. I swear, I am not drunk. And, um, and I wasn't that day. I wasn't. <laughs> Strike that from the record. All right, so... When it comes to this idea of the father, he sees everything. But with the police officer, I mean, you, nobody ever thinks the police officer will come up to the window and you're going to look at the cop and go, hi, would you like to build a meaningful relationship? <laughs> no, they're there to exact the law. They're there to call it out, you know, and, and to, to, to point out where you missed it. And sometimes we think he is like the bougie in blue. You know, he's like the bougie that's going to get you if you break the law, and, and, and you can have that mindset. So what I want you to do at the beginning of the talk here, I want you to close your eyes. Everybody, just do me a favor. Close your eyes. All right, we're going to do a little exercise. So what do you expect God the Father to be thinking when he looks at you? Close your eyes. Now imagine the face of God. The face of God may be hard. You may think an older gentleman, you know. You may think Morgan Freeman. I don't know. <laughs> All right? If it's easier to think of Jesus, that's fine too. You know, the face of this young Galilean, this young... Middle Eastern looking man. Whatever, whatever. Just begin to picture God in your mind. And let me ask you a few questions, okay? As you picture him, what do you see? When you look into the eyes of the Father, what do you see? Let me ask you this. What's the mood? When you think about your life, what's the mood on his face as he looks at you? Can you see it? What did, what did his eyes, because you know eyes speak. What did his eyes say to you as you're looking If you sensed him speaking anything, what was the tone of his voice? Daddies have a way of having a tone in their voice. What, what was the tone in his voice? All right? Now look back up here. I want you to keep that in mind. All right? Keep that in mind. And I just want to say a statement. Listen, listen. A father's face is a powerful thing. Mike Rainwater, what's dad's name? Bill? Mr. Rainwater? It's so good to have you here. This is Mr. Bill Rainwater. Can you welcome him to Momentum Church? Amen. <laughs> Bill has a biopsy this week, and, um, and we're going to have prayer for Bill after the time of communion. We're going to have prayer during that. And, um, but, 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 man, I can see Mike. And I can, you, man, you're spitting image. Chip off the old block. 
you know. I don't know how many times in your life, Bill, you probably said, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah. And there was things about dad's eyes that was a powerful thing. He could look at you a certain way and you knew stuff. <laughs> Good stuff and bad stuff, but you knew stuff, you know. And so we sense different things when we look into our father's faces. And for some of us, like Mikey's had a good daddy. And there's people here today that didn't have a good daddy at all. And I got blessed to have a bad daddy and a good daddy. Nope, mama didn't get divorced. Daddy got saved. (laughs) His life changed, you know. So I got to have a dad when I was young that was hell on wheels. And got to have a dad when I was getting a little bit older that was just the guy that you see here that it's hard to believe that fluffy-haired fella ever was mean as a snake, you know. He was. And so the thing is, when it comes to looking at the face of the father, the perception a child receives from looking at the face of his father has the power to shape a child for a lifetime. As a little guy, my dad was so angry. If anything went wrong, you didn't want anything to be wrong in life. Violence would come. And so with that, I learned to blame. And it was somebody else's fault. Somebody did that. Neighbor did that. That was Jamie's fault. Sister, older sister, eight years old, she did that. Tammy did that. It wasn't me. Well, now carry that into a marriage, you know. So Amy and I first get married, and any little thing that goes wrong, all I could think of was, I don't want that rebuke. I don't want that tension. I don't want that stress. And so it's your fault, woman. And woman is a term of endearment I have for my wife, so don't judge, okay. So it's your fault, woman. I say woman was bad, and I say woman was good. And so, woman, it's your fault. You did this. If you'd have done that, that wouldn't happen. And, man, our first three years of marriage, there wasn't a pillowcase that didn't have mascara stains on it. And that was for me crying. (laughs) I'm serious. I had that poor girl in tears constantly, you know. And I was at a church service. And a man began to speak about those things that were on you. You'll take them right off of you. And you'll place them right on your family. The things that I picked up by looking into my father's face were shaping me as a child into my adulthood. That had I not got that fixed in my mid-20s, I wouldn't be married today. Had I not got that fixed in my mid-20s, I wouldn't pastor because nobody wants to be pastored by a person that constantly blames and berails and, you know. So that's just one of those things, though. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you had a really, really, really bad dad and it shaped you in a negative way. Maybe you had a really, really great dad and it shaped you in a positive way. But the perception a child receives from looking at the face of his father or her father, it does have that power to shape a child. And that shaping is really for a lifetime If it's negative, we need God to interact it, but it's powerful. Say it's powerful. And so when it comes to that negative side, let me say it this way. Some of you, when you were young, you looked into the face of your father, and when you did, looking at that father's face when you were young, you were filled with fear. You were filled with dread. You were filled with anguish in your heart. You were filled with discouragement. I can remember, Jared, where are you? Pastor Jared will remember this. I jump into the car years ago. We're here in, in, in Georgia. And Jared had a, a, a hangy thing on the car. Hangy thing. Thank you. <laughs> and it was the smell of musk. Musk, like black suede. Remember that? Yeah. If you were in the 70s and 80s, you know black suede. And I jumped in that car and smelled that and physically re- recoiled. My dad hadn't been that way in years. He broke that by the time I was about 10 years old, that violence. But I jumped in it just too many times. I jumped in the car, didn't know daddy's mood, didn't know what it was going to be like, didn't know what I was going to hear, feel, experience. And I jumped in that with Jerry and I, I throw that out the car. 
we can't, I don't ever want to have that in here ever again. I did not realize that smell triggered those thoughts. Isn't that crazy? And so all I'm saying is that negative stuff, you know, can bring dread and disdain. But on the other side, if you had a good dad, and again, I say I have two innocent fathers, that dad can look at you, and when you look into the face of that good father, you are filled with hope, and you're filled with confidence, and you are filled with the idea of peace and comfort and, and strength. I can remember my dad would come. My dad came almost to every wrestling match I ever had. He liked wrestling. He didn't come to many soccer games once in a while, but he loved wrestling. I can remember wrestling, and, and um, the, the, the stands are so close to wrestling, you could see almost their eyes. And I could see Dad just looking. He was going through the moves with me. I mean, he's, he's wrestling with me. I'm on the mat with a guy, and he's there. It's like, get boy. You know? I could look over, and it's like, man, I can't tell you how many times I'm getting ready to be pinned, and I look over and see Dad looking. I can't be pinned by my, in front of my dad. And I could just rise up on my neck and just do a powerful, um, um, what I just forgot was called, a bridge. Because he was a wrestler too. Dude, I would never wrestle you. <laughs> Golly. You see Chip, he'd be like wrestling a fire plug. Golly. <laughs> and so, but I could look over at Dad. Man, it just gave you that extra boost of strength. So all I'm saying is that idea of that father, it's powerful, the face of the father. So when we think of God, what do we expect God the father to be thinking when he looks at us? I think when we look at him and we have an expectation of what we think we see in his face, it's going to shape us. And if our expectation is mostly negative over our lives, don't you think that will shape you and your ability to have faith to believe what God says about you? If all our expectation is the Father's going to get you, the Father's displeased in you, the Father looks at you and you are messed up from the chest up and it'll never change, you know? Beat up from the feet up. If that's the case, don't you think that's going to shape how you live your life? And listen, I really believe this. The reason why some of us struggle to live as we should is because we never dare to believe and confess what God's word says about us. That's why the word of God is so important, because it allows us to look into the face of God. The word of God is the picture of God's hope for us. It's that father looking at us, and we look into the mirror of the word, the Bible says, and we can see ourselves. More importantly, we look into the mirror of the word, and we can see the father speaking over ourselves. Is that good? And he's a good, good father, amen? And so this idea of being able to confess the word in our life, I, I want you to dare to confess what God's word says over you, amen? I want you to dare to confess who the Bible says you are. I want you to dare to confess what the Bible says you can have. I want you to dare to confess what the Bible says you can do. You read a passage of Scripture and you think to yourself, I can't live up to that. He's already said you have. That's why it's in there. It's a promise of what is, not just what's going to be. He sees it already by faith. God that gives faith is the most faith-filled father ever. He can look at the wreck of your life and realize that by my stripes you're healed. He can look at the mess of your life and know that you're messed up and you have no peace. And know that my peace passes all understanding and it will come and guard your heart and it will guard your mind. Don't be anxious for nothing. The promise of God, the word of God, looking into the mirror of the Father's face and allowing his word to speak back to us who we are, what we can do, and what we can have. And there's people in the room today, you'll feel like, I don't deserve all that. No, you don't. But Jesus does. Don't shortchange Jesus. If Jesus died for you to walk in all that God has, 
just start getting used to saying, God, those promises are mine. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. Amen? And what you say I can have, I'll walk in. If you say that you want me to be in health and prosper even as my soul prospers, you know what, God, I'm going to get to business working on my soul prosperity. But, God, I'm going to watch and see overflow in my life in all these different areas because that's your promise over me. And Jesus bought me for that, and I'm going to walk in that. Who the Bible says I am, what the Bible says I can have, what the Bible says I can do. And here's the thing, though. There's an adversary we keep coming back to, this adversary of faith. And so I want you to listen. And yes, this is the first point. We haven't just got through the introduction, but this is going to be a quick message. Smile. <laughs> the disdain of a father destroys the hopes of a son. That's the first thought here. The disdain of a father destroys the hopes of a son. That father of lies that we've been pointing to all week long, saying that he's up here full of lies, telling you all the stuff to discourage, to bring you down, to filter and cloud you from seeing the actual face of God speak life. That same father of life, man, he is so good at bringing discouragement. The disdain of a father destroys the hopes of a son. The father of lies isn't a good father, and he would love for you to see yourself through the eyes of disdain. What does disdain mean? It means this. The feeling that someone or something is unworthy of one's consideration or unworthy of respect, contempt, over your life. That's what disdain is. And so the thing is, the Lord directs us, I believe, to look at his face. Open your Bibles to Psalms 27. Psalms 27. God wants us to look at his face. The Lord directs us to do so. And and I want you to see when it says here to seek his face, kind of where this is headed, okay? Because there's one that will, when you look into the eyes of that father, will just speak lies over you. And you can own it for yourself and it will shape you. Or you can look into the face of our Father. Psalms 27, 8 through 9 says, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. I I, I hear such earnestness in that. God says, do something. God, I'm trying. Don't you hear earnestness in that? God, you told me to do this. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. Seek my face. Lord, I'm going to seek your face. I'm I'm striving for that. But God, don't, don't hide your face from me. The thing you've told me to do, don't make it impossible for me to do. Doesn't it feel that way sometimes? God has a word for you, something that you're supposed to live out. And then it's like, God, I ain't getting no help down here. Guess what? That's not your problem. That's his problem. And he's a sufficient God. He can handle that problem. Just keep looking at his face. And by the time that the service is over, you're going to be able to see his face looking back at you. In a way that's going to be encouraging and faith-filled and allow you to take those steps toward the righteousness, those steps toward walking what he has for you. Amen? And so he says, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. I don't know about you. Can you see kind of the dichotomy in this scripture? It's like, I want to seek your face, but don't cast me off. I want to seek your face. Give me your salvation. Like, there's a doubting going on. This, he's worried that all that he needs from God, he won't walk and he won't live up to. He won't measure up to. Yeah, you're right, David. You're a mess. It makes sense that you feel those emotions. And as I read this, it makes me realize every one of us dudes in here, all us men, listen, we have an inner struggle, just like this scripture, with worthiness and worthlessness. 
It's just this inner struggle, worthiness and worthlessness. worthlessness. God, I want your face. Don't hide from me. I'm a wretch. God, I want your salvation. Don't be angry with me. I've done it again today. I messed up again today. I failed again today, Father. Can you see that? This battle between worthlessness and worthiness. And I think when we look into the face of the Father, we've got to get a picture of a Father looking at us that is faith-filled. I'm not saying that He'll never challenge and He'll never correct. Yes, He does, and the Word does that. But the Word of God is, is profitable, the Bible says, for doctrine. This is how you're supposed to live. And for reproof, you missed it. But then it says for correction. That's a beautiful thing. It's not just reproof, reproof, reproof. You missed it again, boy. Can't you ever get it right? I'm dealing with that as a dad, trying to teach my sons things and trying to figure out how that looks because I want to reprove them, but I also want to take them into correction. And I'm a whole lot better at reproving than correcting. How many dads? Same? Yeah, okay. And why do we do all that? It says that we can give instruction, that we can become more like the image of Christ, you know? God has this plan. And so the Father, man, he does bring correction, but quickly reproving, and he's taking you into what he desires for you. But so often in that worthlessness feeling, as we look at the Father and we perceive the lie of the enemy kind of fused upon the face of the Father, and we, we project that on, the, on God because there's no way God could love me that much. And when we start to see that, we start to act out in unworthy manners. We start to live a life below our station, below our call. Because I can never, ever live up here where I'm supposed to be anyhow. Why try? That sounds like this. That to me, it just sounds like David. Seeking and struggling, turning to God and worried. So listen, number two, the second thing here as we move forward, your faith will increase when you look to see favor on the face of the Father. Your faith will increase when you look to see the favor that's on the face of the Father. What's it mean to see favor? Turn your Bibles to Numbers 6, verse 25. And you all have heard this scripture. It's a benediction. So often you'll hear the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. You understand the scripture? And give you peace. How many Catholics in the house? Come on. All right. So you've heard this. Yes. Hallelujah. You know. It says the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. In other words, look at me, Jesus. And when you look at me, you shine on me. And when you look at me, your peace comes. Your favor. Shout favor. Your favor comes. And that's really what it means. That idea of the face of God shining upon you. It's the favor of God shining upon you. So we got to be able to see the favor of God. When we look into his eyes, God, I want to see your favor. But it's not natural for us. Because we've believed the lie for so long. That's why the word of God has to come in. Because the word shapes us and helps us to see him and what he really is saying to us. And they're favorable words over our lives. Favorable. And there's the link between the face of God and the favor of God. As you seek his face and you seek his word and what it says over you, you'll start to see that idea of favor rise up in your life. You'll be able to be aware of it. Listen, we are well aware of our sin and what we feel that says about us, every one of us, aren't we? We are, how many, how many's pretty, pretty, pretty aware? You're pretty intimate with your sin. Maybe some of us so intimate we don't tell anybody. Oh yeah, that's just, that's just normal. You're intimate with your sin. We are well aware of our sin and what it feels, what it says about us, but we need to become even more aware of our Savior and his word over our lives. 
We remind ourselves of the sin. We look at the face of God and we project upon this condemnation and, and, and rebuke and, and this. Man, we've got to look at the face of God and realize the Savior's paid the price. The penalty is over. I don't live under the penalty. I live under an invitation. To come close and to seek his face. And when I seek his face, it's a face that says here that shines upon me. It's a face that comes that brings favor. And that's why I believe it's so important for that word of God to be in our hearts. In Romans 10, 17, we talked a few weeks ago, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That faith, as we hear it, it's telling us who God says we are. As we're putting it in us, it's counteracting the lie that we usually think of when we think of the face of God. And so seeing yourself in the face of the Father, listen, it's your gateway to seeing yourself through the eyes of faith. And it's so important to be able to do that, and it comes through the Word, by seeing what the Word says over you, what the Word says over you. Not your negative friend, Nancy. Not Nancy Francis. She's positive. She's positive. But, but no, what the word says over you. Now listen, this is, this is going to flow. Seeing yourself in the face of the Father is your gateway to seeing yourself through the eyes of faith. Now watch. And seeing yourself by faith as God sees you is your gateway to your breakthrough. Because breakthrough doesn't come overnight because the lies, it takes a while to break through the lies. So we got to keep seeing how God sees us and it starts to shape how we see ourselves and that aligns us with the things of God until we walk in our breakthrough. And it may take some time. That's why we're not worried about naming and claiming, blabbing and grabbing, you know? We're worried about proximity to God. Remember I said it's not about perfection, it's about proximity. We're drawing close, we're speaking the word of God, keeps me turned toward the things of God. The liar can lie. I'm not looking at your face, you ugly. I'm, I'm looking at God's face. And the lies that I think are being projected, I'm starting to replace them with the word of God. And I'm starting to see the favor God speaks over my life. And so it starts to bring breakthrough. It starts to bring a miracle. It starts to bring victory. It starts to bring deliverance. It starts to bring healing. Final thing. You need to embrace over your life the faith-filled words of the Father. And so if that Father, his face brings disdain, if it's that negative Father, we've got to realize that's not who our Father is. And we've got to start looking at our Father and realize that when it comes to our Father, that he is a Father of favor and so what does it look like, that favor? Well, we've got to place that into our lives. We've got to embrace that word, that faith-filled word of God over us. And this is the passage that opened my eyes on, um, on Monday. And so I'm going to read Zephaniah. Um, I know some of you have read this so much this week that, that it's just going to be ad nauseum for you. But. And so go down to verse, oh, I'm, I'm actually, I got the wrong chapter there. That was not Zephaniah. There we go. I had Lamentations. <laughs> that would have been different. <laughs> all right verse 14 it says sing aloud O daughter of Zion shout O Israel rejoice and exalt with all your heart O daughter of Jerusalem a daughter presupposes a father correct and so he's the father and he's speaking to his daughter and he's telling his daughter to sing Israel sing Jerusalem sing Jerusalem is in ruins right now Israel is held captive right now by Babylonian captivity. They are not living up to their potential. They're not living close to the temple. They're not living as God would desire for them to live. And he looks at them and he speaks promise. He looks at them and he begins to speak hope. Because even though you may not be where you think you need to be, Dad, God still has a plan for you. 
still loves you in the midst of that. He says, the Lord has taken away, I love this, he has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst and you shall never again fear evil. The writing of this, no. At the writing of this, they're in bondage. At the writing of this, they're oppressors. The enemies are all over them. At the writing of this, they're still under the judgment, it feels as if. But God begins to see and speak favor. Isn't that neat? Goes on, it says, The king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. He shall never, you shall never again fear. On that day it shall be to Jerusalem. Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. Some translations say a mighty warrior who will save. A rescuer who will save. Love it. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Can you see that father that sings over you? Can you see the eyes of that father that exalts over you, that rejoices over you, that say, get it, son! Get some! Woo! Good tackle, boy! Isn't that awesome? Oh, yeah. Say, oh, yeah. Love it. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. I'll come back to that. Behold, at the time I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. That's a positive thing. The Father is saying this to people that have shunned him and pushed him aside. And this is the promises he's speaking over them. It's the same promises he's speaking over you. And at the time I'll bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the people of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes. I love this. We are men and we work and we fix things, right? And when it says here, I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you'll no longer suffer reproach. What's that? What's the festival? It's the solemn assembly. It's not necessarily just one festival. There's many types of solemn assemblies. But the solemn assembly, the, the, the end of so many festivals would end with this solemn assembly. And it's the day of rest. It's a day of restraint. The Hebrew word actually means a day of restraint. It's a day, check this, ready, of no work. Come on. God, if I want reproach off my life, i got to work so hard. If I won't reproach off my life, I've got, I've, got to, I've got to be a good boy today. I remember that in school. Just be good. Just be good. I was never good. You know? And here God is saying, no, no, no. You mourn for that day of rest. You mourn for that day of completion. You mourn for that day of solace. You mourn for that day where it doesn't feel like you have to work so hard. And he says in that, he looks at you and he says, you will no longer suffer reproach. How powerful. And as you read this, there's not a whole lot they're doing. It's just they're his daughter and you're his son. And he's our father. And so we look to him and we embrace those words of life, those faith-filled words of the Father over us. All I'm saying is what you need most, you'll find looking into the Father's face. But if the enemy skews the Father's face for it, you, you have to replace that lie with the word. Because then you can see what Daddy really thinks of your life. And our Heavenly Father, He looks at us through eyes of, of grace. I love that passage that says He's a, a warrior, you know? And he comes to save. 
And, and I got to thinking about that because a little bit later in that scripture, it says this. It says, where's that? Where's that? Uh, he says, the Lord is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. This is a, 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 a singing sniper. <laughs> a singing savior. I don't know about you. If, if I was to watch a movie, and I've seen movies like this before, where you've got like the guy that's a rescuer, the warrior, and he's just freaking you out because he's like, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, oh. singing sniper. They're scary. You'll never look at the father the same way. But in my mind, I'm picturing this, 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 nothing's rattling his cage that you're going through and that you're doing. Nothing's throwing him off his game, you know? I can see him, yea, though I walk. Wait, yea, though you walk through the shadow. Of, I, wait, because I'm going to be with you. I'm with, no, I'm teasing. You've seen those guys say the Lord's Prayer as they're snipers? You know, it's just freaky. It just is. There's just such peace and calm, and they're just doing business. They're just doing business. God's not rattled by your stuff. Right, Scott? He's not rattled by your stuff. He's a rescuing warrior. And he's calm and cool and he's singing over your life. And here's the thing. When we think of him as a warrior, we think that he comes to come against us. No, he's a rescuing warrior. He comes to pull us out. Amen? And so if you would, I want you just to listen as he sings over your heart during this song. He sings over those for whom he has removed the judgments against him. He sings over a rebelling people as he promises to bring restoration. He, he sings over a people who have no righteousness in themselves, and he says he will turn their shame into praise. He sings over those who have every reason to fear the face of God, but he invites them to draw near and to look into his grace-filled eyes, those eyes of a father who choose, chooses to see the best in you. Amen? And so what I want you to do in light of that, can you close your eyes? Now close your eyes. Imagine looking up at the face of our God. In light of that, what do you see now? What do you see? What was the mood of his face? What is his eyes speaking to you? If you sense him saying something, what's the tone of his voice? Listen, we need to learn to savor the favor of God purchased by his son, Jesus. If, if the lie is overwhelming you at times, close your eyes and begin to savor his favor. Begin to, God, I know what you say over me, and I'm embracing that. So come to your father through the son and bask in his grace-filled love. He, he's not waiting to rebuke you. He's waiting to welcome you. He's not busy like sometimes us dads are. He's not preoccupied. He's not going to tell you to come back later. God is saying to you today, look at me and find yourself in the face of a good, good father. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.